listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Across midfield, Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career, will not be stopped. Grimes in a pull-up three. Oh, Grimes, dead-eye shooter. Blair to Patterson in the corner for three. To midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slamma Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Anas and you can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Uh, interesting circumstances that we come to you, but you guys just got to listen to our new intro. Dayon, I know we were talking about it before we started recording. We really like this intro. Yep. It gets you hype. And hopefully for those yep. of you tuning in, following the uh, unfortunate loss for the University of Houston football team, in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. Hopefully that gives you a little, um, a little brings you up for a little bit. Kudos to at Danny G. Leo on Twitter. You can find his Twitter account and all his links in the description of this podcast. But Shout out, Danny, man. It's fire. He really did a great job with it, and we greatly appreciate it. So, Dayon, I'll let you introduce yourself before we get into it, because there's, there's really only one main topic we're going to be talking about in this podcast. Man, what's up, family? I'm Dayon, a.k.a. Day. Today I got something to say. You can follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. I've been covering UH since 2016. You know the spiel. You guys have been listening to us for so long. We appreciate it. But before we start, be sure to follow the Apollo Media account. That's at Apollo H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us. We really appreciate it. Dayon, like we mentioned it, this episode is going to be mainly focusing on the American Athletic Conference championship game and football between, which was between number 21, Houston, and number four, Cincinnati. And um, not to get too much into the game specifics, but when it comes to the first half, I, I would say that if, if you would have asked anyone associated with the University of Houston at halftime of that game, if they would take being down only one point at halftime overall, the defense had, had been, obviously had gotten off to a very shaky start. I think literally the first six plays of the game for Cincinnati, they only, they only ran six plays. They had two touchdowns and they had an absurd number of yards, really um, kind of uncharacteristic for the Cincinnati, uh, for the Houston defense after really, after putting behind that Texas tech performance and first game of the season had, kind of become the identity of this team and really had done a good job of limiting any any type of offenses, any type of opposing offenses. It was a completely change of script against Cincinnati. And then, of course, that third quarter was kind of the disaster for the University of Houston, where really it, it started with the questionable pass interference on on fourth and short. It, it looked like Houston had for, forced another turnover on downs for Cincinnati on their opening drive, and instead it ended up being a Bearcats touchdown. And from there, the game really unraveled for Houston. Day on, I, I, go ahead. What were, what were your thoughts from watching the game? What went yeah. wrong? What went good for this Houston team? 
I mean, just you said it perfectly. The first half, um, I, I liked the way the game was going. The offense was moving the ball down the field, and it was it was an even matchup. And then that third quarter, what really stuck out to me a lot was the, the home field advantage. You, got, In my opinion, I could tell it, it played a huge part uh, of the game because in college football, we it's about momentum. And then once they got that momentum after that pass interference call, and I think they end up scoring, and then the turnover, just that that crowd was going, the energy, it was all Cincinnati. And and I think that crowd played a huge part in Cincinnati's a really tough team to beat at home. They're one of the the best teams at home. And so I think that was a huge, huge um, turning point in that that third quarter. But, I mean, overall, from what I've seen, Houston played a good game. I think we talked about – and our preview of the game when we talked about in the last episode, which Houston being balanced and they weren't able to be balanced as far as rushing the ball. They only had 86 total rushing yards. Played two and ran the ball for 23 times for 21 yards. He had more rushes, but a lot of those sack yards when he took sacks is taken off. And um, speaking of sacks, the offensive line, that was in, in my conversation with um, Chris Garner around Bob Review. Make sure you follow him, check him out. Um, yesterday, and he actually mentioned he was going to be looking at Houston's offensive line. Could they block Cincinnati? And they couldn't, and they couldn't block them. They forced Houston to be one dimension. They stopped the running game. Houston was forced to pass, and they were able to get after the passer and sack him, was it, eight times, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, that, that I think right there, you just mentioned it. That was the key of the game. Yeah, Houston offensive line gave up eight sacks. And we mentioned it last week where that was going to be the key to the game for Houston was to have the well-balanced attack. And really, when you've seen Houston have had, during their 11-game winning streak, the the key thing they were able to do for most of those games was able to establish the running game onto McCaskill, who had a, a, a tremendous, good, yeah, he had a tremendous uh, freshman season through the, the course of the entire season. You go into this game, the first quarter, he had a really good, he had a good start. He had 30 yeah, rushing yards in the yep. first quarter. And then after the first quarter, really Cincinnati did a, a really a great job of being able to shut him down. He had 30 yards in the first quarter. He finished the game with 39 yards. 39. So that, that, okay. that and not only that, but really no type of running game outside of Clayton Toon scrambles, regardless of who was carrying, whether it was Tejon. I know Chandler Smith got, got one of the last carries at the very end of the game. Um, but that that's really where Cincinnati kind of owned this Houston offense, for, for lack of a better word, especially uh, once you got into the third quarter, once Houston really, it, it seemed like they were shell-shocked from the P.I. call and Cincinnati drove down the field. They scored they were shell shocked on that following possession when Clayton Toon looked to throw and it got picked off by the Cincinnati linebacker. His name that was uh, a great play. Yeah, Joel DeBlanco, who uh, honestly, you can't, we mentioned it before, you can't even really blame Clayton Toon for that pick. Yeah, that was just a great yeah, play where the linebacker great jumped, defensive play. Yep. jumped in the air caught it with his two uh, hands and and was able to pick it off. Um, but really after that play, that, that's really where you kind of started to see, like you said, the, the avalanche of momentum. Exactly. And in that atmosphere, Dan Hogerson after the game talked about how it was disturbing that they, they were 8-0 and in conference play. Obviously, of course, so was Cincinnati. But due to the, the way the American Athletic Rules are set up and their tiebreakers, it went to Cincinnati because they were ranked higher in the college football rankings so 
despite having the same uh, conference record, that game was played in Cincinnati, and it, it certainly made a big role, especially uh, played a big role, especially once it was that second half, and you got you started seeing that momentum switching towards Cincinnati. And it was something that Houston was never really able to recover from, um, and honestly, a lot of uh, drives in that second half were a lot of three and out, three and outs. Um, that outside of that interception, they really the offense got shut down for much of it until that one final drive midway through the fourth quarter when Houston was able to get a touchdown back. But Cincinnati, not only did they make them one dimensional, but they flat out just stopped them. I'm looking at the third quarter stats. They, yep. they they held Houston to negative six total yards in the third quarter. That that's absurd. That's how bad that I mean, third quarter dominated. was for Houston. And <clears throat> I mean, when you look at the total game, the time of possession wasn't even that. Let me see if I can get the um, the total number. But when when you look at those key stats like that, where normally, you know what they say, win the time of possession, you're going to win the game. Houston won the time of possession 40 minutes, almost 40 minutes to 20 minutes, rounded a little bit. And they was moving Houston, the ball. Houston lost by two touchdowns. That's absurd stat. And and you, to your point, you mentioned it, especially early in the first quarter, <clears throat> first half overall. Houston's offensive drives, they were they were doing a good job. They were being uh, the phrase you always hear, complimentary football. They were able to go on those long drives and capitalize on points. Now, something that they'll, they'll probably wish they had back. Two of those drives didn't end in touchdowns. They ended in field goals, but. They were going on those long drives. They were keeping the Cincinnati offense off the field. The problem was Cincinnati wasn't on the field as much, but they were capitalizing on the time that they were doing it. They were making the most out of it, and they were scoring touchdowns, like we said, on those jump plays. Give credit to their running back, um, Jerome Ford, who really gashed the the Houston offense. He had two giant plays. I think he had like a a 42-yard touchdown, and then he had a 79-yard rush. Um, throughout the game, he really came to play. He ended up winning the American Athletic Conference Championship uh, player of the game. That That's just the, the performance. But I, I want to touch on <clears> – <throat> we'll touch on Clayton Toon first in, in this half. Uh, obviously, going back all the way to that first Texas Tech game when he had a, a dreadful performance through four interceptions, look lost, really. And it, it seemed like a lot of the fan base had soured on him. I think for the most – especially in that first Rightfully half. so. It seemed no, yeah, for sure. Rightfully so after the the performance he had performance. last season. Exactly. That 2020 season wasn't the best for him. He really struggled and then comes out here, uh, talk over the training camp where Dana Hogerson said, um, if you they don't see improvement with Clayton Tune is gonna be on him. And after that first game against right. Texas Tech, it seemed like it, it. it was gonna be worse with four interceptions. Uh, really struggles, got shut out in that second half against the Red Raiders going into this first half against Cincinnati. I think overall, it, it, it at least for the first quarter and and uh, probably say about half of the second, it looked like Lane Toon was probably putting together arguably what could have been his best performance. His best game of his career. Not, yeah. not only was he on target with his passes, he was doing the throws, but on third downs, whenever plays weren't there, He's stuff playing, would break yeah. down. He was doing a good job of his awareness kind of seemed to be at a different level where he, he had a timer in his head and he knew, okay, it's time for me to, to get out and try to make a play. There was a couple of times where he broke multiple now, tackles from now, Cincinnati. I, now I will say, I agree with what you're saying and with everything. Now, I will say a few moments 
that um, in pocket presence, I feel like he held it just a little too long. Like, now, mm-hmm. I don't think all eight of those sacks were on the offensive line. A few of those, when they was able to show the replay, the defensive end were overrun and, and the tackle was able to push him behind Clayton. Maybe you know, Clayton could have stepped up and scrambled to the right a little bit and extended the play. But everything else you said, I agree. You were spot on with. Yeah, for sure. And, and really, most of it came in that second half. Five of those eight sacks came in the second half. Three of them came in the fourth quarter. And just going back, it just goes to show where that <clears throat> really that, that second half performance was really left Houston in the dust. But uh, going back to the point of clean tune, the first half, it looked like he was putting together a good performance. And then yep. uh, give credit to Cincinnati. But once they shut down any type of running game and it, it became obvious that, that it was going to be tough for Houston to get any type of offensive yards on the ground, it really forced clean tune to have to, to do it on and have to find those throws. And like you said, in the second half, he really struggled to do that, whether it be he held on to the ball at times or not being able to connect with his guys. But at, from your perspective, Dayon, what, what did you see overall from Clayton Toon's uh, game against Cincinnati? I think Clayton Toon played well enough for Houston to win. Could he made more, a few more plays? Yes, he could have. But from I think he played well, especially, especially in that first half. I agree with everything you said. It, it looked like he was gearing near towards having one of his best games in the biggest games of his career because some of them drives he was able to answer, make plays on third down, like you said. And I was, I was, I was impressed. And then, um, I mean, in the second half and like back to the interception, like we mentioned, that was just a great defensive play. He has the offensive line and the D line in front of him. And the linebacker is literally maybe two to five yards behind um, the front seven and just jumped up and make that play, right? I, I don't know if Clayton could have seen him, but that was a great defensive play. So I don't just be like, oh, that's yeah. a bad play, like um, yeah. from the interception. Then other than that, he was efficient. Um, he made timely runs, um, broke tackles. He was tough. He showed his athleticism. Uh, but I feel like this season, Clayton hit his his ceiling. Um, I think he can get better. But I think from what I've seen, his, his gradual um, – progression really from game to game was really impressive to see in the season. And, and, and you can give it the coach and the way he was coached, the, um, the confidence that they put in him, that we're sticking to him. I think all of that played with Clayton having um, what I would call a good season. So I cut it cut it off a little bit, but um, no, yeah, I agree with you, especially on that interception. I think if you, you want to go to criticism uh, on that play, maybe it could have been that he he kind of stared down at whoever he was going to throw before the linebacker picked it off. But I, I think right there, yeah, you just got to give credit to the defense. But I think when it comes to all the eights, like you mentioned it, most you can't give all of them to the offensive line. But uh, transitioning over a little bit, I think the offensive line probably had their worst performance since that opening week game against Texas Tech. And not only was it the sacks, the eight sacks, but again, in the ground game, there were there were a lot of times where the moment they handed it off, it was just Cincinnati swarming. Um, really no space for any of the running backs to get, to go anywhere. And Dan, I'll let you have your piece on it, but in, in my opinion, it seemed like the, the offensive line really struggled. There were penalties, timely penalties. They really killed Houston's offenses, some of the ones that would be promising. A lot of holding penalties. And again, going back to Saxon being unable to block, I think that was the, another key factor in this loss where really they, they let go of the rope. And going back, that third quarter was really where it all fell apart, especially on the offensive line. They gave up three sacks. They had a couple of timely penalties. What, what did you see, Dayon? I 
saw what the whole world saw. The offensive line couldn't block their front four. They're rushing three, and you got, what, five or six in protection, and you still get a sack. I saw the same thing. <laughs> it's the offensive line, they struggled. But one thing I will say that I did see from both sides, two players that stood out to me the most that, that – and without a doubt, in my opinion, we'll be playing on Sundays. Desmond Ritter, quarterback for Cincinnati. Some of those back shoulder throws and the accuracy that he showed, extended plays. And also Nathaniel Tank Dell. He's special. For the, the big game, the game that he had today, some of the plays, the explosive plays that he make, he's different. He got it. The it factor that people talk about, Tank got it. He, he's different for sure. Nine catches, a hunt, a buck 52 with a tub. That 53-yard play that he made, just a simple, uh, a quick screen, and he's able to do what he did, man, tank different. And, um, but the O-line, man, they they struggled. And it, I was what made me watching this game was thinking ahead, and the announcers mentioned that they, they said that they feel like Cincinnati and Houston is two of the better um, Big 12 teams right now if they were in the Big 12, and I agree with that. With Texas and OU, man, exiting OU pretty much um, – one, the Big 12, um, in the recent past, in a lot of years, I don't know exactly how many times they won in the row, but they pretty much dominated the Big 12 recent. Now you look this year, Baylor, Oklahoma State in the championship game, Baylor win. I, I think Oklahoma State, Baylor, Cincinnati, Houston yeah, is going to really um, make out for a really good Big 12, and it's going to be some good football. I'm going to put Texas in there as well, but I'm just saying as far as what we saw today. <laughs> right, of course. Um, before yeah. we segue into into our second you know, into our second segment, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the defense. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the play chart, and after uh, with four minutes left in the in the first quarter, when Houston put up their second field goal to to put up their 13th point, from that point forward, they it was. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven drives. Of those seven drives, you had five of them end in punts and one of them end in an interception. And then the end of the half was for the seventh that they just um were content with going to the half down by one. That 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 right there really is the the offensive drought. The going back to to really where Throughout the season, there would be times where we would see a little bit of that from that Texas Tech game where sometimes this team would struggle to score and they would go on those drops. But they, some of it has to do with the, the schedule they played again, like going back to it, where they were able to overcome those type of drops or those type of mistakes against some of the teams that they played against Cincinnati. That That's really what killed them right there. They didn't score the entire yep. second, third quarter. Different and, level of football. For sure. And looking at these drives, like the longest drive they had lasted a minute and they they only ran six plays. Um, that that right there is kill them in terms of they weren't having the ball long. They were very short stretches and they weren't doing anything with the ball. But um, before we kind of segue and talk more about the defense, we'll have a little plus game reaction from Dana Hovers and some of the players. Dana, I'll, I'll let you with the final note. Uh, regarding the offense specifically, what you mentioned, Nathaniel Dell, and he kind of showed it on a national stage, a stage primetime ABC. How do you feel going forward? Do you think where where can this offense grow? Whether it be obviously, it seems like they have those cornerstone players at those positions set with Dell and 
McCaskill going forward. Obviously, it feels like the key for this team going forward is going to have to be soliding up that offensive line for um, their quarterback and the rest of their offensive player, the playmakers. Yeah, for sure. It's solidifying that offensive line. I don't know if it's getting bigger, stronger players. or well, I don't really know what it is. I'm not offensive line coach. So I'm not a, going to pretend to be. I just think I agree. Solidifying the offensive line, getting more nasty up top. Everywhere else, Houston um, is nasty. It's physical. They got big-time playmakers and players that can play on Sunday. I mean, um, Paul is a really good offensive line, I think, who has Sunday potential. But you got to get more than one piece. You need a solid front. And I feel really good about the offense going forward. I feel like Cornerstone has said with Alton and Tejon, um, I feel like they got don't get too pass happy at times, even if it isn't running, stick to it just to let the defense know that you're willing to run the ball. But also they were using Clayton Tune with designated design runs as well. So um, offense is in good hands. I think Coach Hogerson, um, they, they believe in his system. He's showing that he can coach it. And so I think the offense is in really good hands. For sure. And we'll leave it right there for our first segment. Coming right up on Pod Slime Jamma, we'll talk more about the defense and also have post-game reaction from head coach Dana Hogerson and the players Marcus Jones and Derek Parrish coming right up on Pod Slime Jamma, covering your UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on here on Pod Slamma Jamba, know you all watch the American Athletic Conference Championship football game. We just talked the offense. Now we're going to go to that third ward defense in which Sack Av really didn't get busy tonight. Only one sack, which came from Logan Hall and the giving up the big plays is really what plagued the defense tonight from, from yeah. what I've seen watching the game. Those long touchdown runs and those big explosive plays with Desmond Ritter made some back shoulder throws. It's just hard to defend. And they went at Marcus Jones a lot. What, what was your take from the defense from the first half and the second half? No, yeah. Uh, when this defense, like you mentioned, Sack Avenue was nowhere to be seen for much of the night. Yeah. Just that one sack from Logan Hall. And even then, looking down, tackles for loss. They only had three of them and didn't force any turnovers. They had that one fumble that Cincinnati, it didn't come back to, to hurt Cincinnati. But when you when you talk about the defense, whenever they were – Really bad. Boy, they were really bad against uh, Cincinnati. And really, a lot of it came again. It, it was at the beginning of the game, first two drives where Cincinnati was scoring quickly. I think that's really what would hurt them. They were giving up chunk plays where it didn't allow, they didn't give themselves a chance to make up for it. Um, a lot of the times, and that's where Cincinnati, Cincinnati got a lot of their points. Talking about Jerome Ford, what he was able to do, I mean, he almost had 200 rushing yards against his defense. And most of those yards came on two chunk plays. Again, going back to the 42 yarder and the 79 yard rushes, both of them ended up going for touchdowns. I think, Dan, I'll say this and I want to hear your thoughts on this. I feel like a lot of this game was kind of reminiscent to that Texas tech game at the beginning of the season where the defense 
whenever they would be really bad, they were really bad in terms of giving up chunk plays, not allowing themselves to kind of stiffen up and force field goals or even turnover on downs. And then whenever they would get the opportunity to, to kind of force Cincinnati to, to grind it out, work for all the yardage, they actually did a pretty good job of being able to hold them. And if they weren't giving up those chunk plays, they were doing a good job of bending, not breaking. Now, Really, a lot of the problems came in the third quarter where uh, first possession, they get that questionable P.I. call and they kind of seem stunned right after Cincinnati scores. Then they're right back on the field off the interception. Those type of momentum plays, I think right there went against them. But I feel I feel like really what what did them in was those chunk plays and being unable to whenever they made the mistakes being unable to limit them. And when they made mistakes, there were huge mistakes that they were unable to to at least stop the bleeding for lack of a better term. Yep. It was a different level of football, high caliber talent on the field. And it's different from playing the, the, the two lanes and the, 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 the Tulsa's and the East Carolina. It was an NFL quarterback on the field who was making NFL throws, had NFL pocket presence that was making plays. You've seen an Alabama transfer running back forward who was running through arm tackles, diving at his legs. He wasn't going – he wasn't going for that. He was making big plays. And so that's what I saw, a different level, in which when they get into the Big 12, it's going to be a different level. Playing the Oklahoma States, the Kansas States, the big boy autumn teams, it's going to be different. And so – that, that's what that's what stuck out to me as far as the defense. I, I think we still got dogs on the deep line, but they just for and it was it's just it was so off in their toes. You didn't know for whether it was run or pass because we had those big mm-hmm. plays, and then it was just we we couldn't really just stop a team and make them one dimensional like we pretty much done everyone else, and then rush the passer on third and long. They didn't really have a lot of third and long situations, and so. Mm-hmm. A lot of different factors that played into it, um, into it. But that's the, really from what I saw. It was just a different level of talent that was on the field they were playing against. No, yeah, for sure. And and kind of going back to my point, I mean, Cincinnati got all their points in either the first or third quarters. They didn't score in the second or fourth quarters. <clears throat> but when you look, I'm looking at their scoring drives. The longest scoring drive they had was to begin the the second half in that third quarter. It was a six play drive. Uh, that covered uh, 75 yards and literally just lasted under three minutes. That was their longest scoring drive the entire night. And that just goes back to a point. Overall, they, they, I would say whenever they were able to make Cincinnati have to work for it, they were able to do a good job of kind of stiffing up. And, and also they had in favor that Cincinnati really didn't have any trust in their field goal kicker, which <clears throat> a couple of times they, they Cincinnati chose to opt it to go for it. Um, in between the 20 and 40 yard line and, and Houston was able to, to force a couple of turnovers on downs. But what really did this Houston defense in was being unable, like really getting gashed by those chunk plays. And like you mentioned, Jerome Ford, he had one heck of a game. Um, Desmond Ritter overall, what do you think they did? What's the job you, or how, what do you think they did against Desmond Ritter? Cause when you look at the stats, they're not really eye popping. He had three touch, three passing touchdowns. Only had 190 passing yards. They did a good job of limiting um, any damage he did on the ground. You mentioned he's he's, he's going to be an NFL quarterback, possibly even a first-round pick. How do you feel Houston did against Desmond Ritter? 
Um, I think Desmond Ritter just put on a really good performance, and I think they defended him well. But like I said, it was a different level of talent. But some of the throws he made was undefensible. You couldn't really defend him as far as like one of those, I think, touchdown to Marcus, um, Marcus Jones got beat on. It was a back shoulder throw. It was just a perfect throw. He made timely throws. When he, when he had a receiver open, it wasn't he didn't miss them. He didn't miss any plays. The plays that was there for him to make, he made them. He didn't have a lot of rushing yards, but he extended plays and made throws. So, uh, But I think they defended him well. I, I, I think they did not really allow him to run and they spied him down if he knew that outstanding job of spying him and stopping him from which limits him from him from running. So they I think they did um they did defense defended him well. I just think they didn't get him in those third and long situations to where they could pin their ears back and really rush him and get those sacks that we're accustomed to seeing. But I think they did a decent job that they could do with definitely was room to play better and make more plays. For sure. And another player they did a good job of containing was really their their standout wide receiver, Alec Pierce, who we, we got to see that um, towards the middle of the game, really his matchup with Marcus Jones. I don't know he was matched up with the Marion Williams a little bit, too, but it got a it got a little bit intense where they were kind of jarring at each other a little bit during the game. Um, I wouldn't really say who who got the better of that matchup. Alex Pierce, he only had two catches, but he certainly made the most out of them. Had 65 yards and, and one of the touchdowns that Cincinnati scored. Overall, how do you feel the secondary did? And we talked about Desmond Ritter. How about limiting their offensive weapons outside of um, their, their running backs? I feel like the secondary did all right. I feel like they they, they – Threw a lot of balls at Marcus Johnson, the height difference, and some of those are coming jump balls. But um, a lot of missed tackles from the secondary. I don't think the secondary played as well as I feel like they could have played because some of those big plays came from missed tackles. And so, but overall, I feel like they defended their receivers okay. I mean, they didn't lock them down. They made plays. Their receivers made timely catches. They didn't have uh, big stats, but the catches and when they when it was time to get up and make a play, they made those plays and they they cashed in. And, they, and so, I mean, the defense it wasn't like our defense just played horrible. You know what I'm saying? It was just the, the, how the game went. Yeah. We got the turnover, they they scored. You know, so they can't got it at halftime, they scored. They down you up and make the big plays. And so, outside of that, I, our defense could have played, could have eliminated those big plays. It could have did a few things. I'm sure when they watched the film. But overall, I can't. I don't feel like they just had a whole game. No, yeah, for sure. And I, I say overall, when you look at the game, I think there were two. The two biggest key plays. I think one was a pass interference call that that led to Cincinnati scoring. I think the second one was the interception from um, their their linebacker, Cincinnati linebacker, and. It, I think not only were those two the biggest plays, obviously because they led to touchdowns for Cincinnati, but I think overall the momentum, something we've touched on for much of it, those two plays really kind of got the Cincinnati crowd going, especially that interception. That's when Clayton tuned through that pick, that's really when you started to feel like, okay, Houston's probably on live support. They're probably, um, it's certainly going to be already, they were already fighting an uphill battle. It's certainly going to just got made much worse. And it, it probably got started to, that's the point where you started to think like Cincinnati probably has this one in the bag. What say you? I agree 100%. I agree 100%. Uh, Cincinnati once they they had that momentum, so they they feel like they had the bag and they took care of business. For, 
before we kind of segue into our third and final segment, we're going to play a little bit of Dana Holgerson's uh, post-game conference uh, following the loss in the American Athletic Conference Championship. This is on skin, Houston head coach Dana Holgerson following the loss. Our opponent had something to do with that. Uh, very proud of our football team. We've had a heck of a year. Uh, we, we had a great week of practice. We were motivated to come into uh, a home game uh, for the University of Cincinnati. Uh, rowdy atmosphere, incredible environment, fantastic football team, well coached, great players, uh, solid on all three sides of the ball, and we went toe to toe with them for as long as we could. Uh, very proud of our football team. Uh, you know, what I, what I look at out there is what I want our team to look like and our stadium to look like, um, you know, uh, next year. And I think we can get that done. I think we can accomplish that. They've been working at it for a couple years longer than we have. Uh, so very proud of uh, our team. Um, you know, I'm encouraged with, with how we've played. I've been, I'm encouraged with the position that we've been in. Um, and I'm excited about continuing to get better. Um, it's a top four football team out there. They, they're deserving of the CFP berth. Uh, that's history. And uh, Coach, congratulations to Coach Fickle and his entire team. They're, they're, they're first class. Yeah, you know, no. The answer is no. I mean, did it, did it, is it the reason we lost? No. Uh, did it change the game and create momentum? Absolutely. Fourth and four, the kid makes a heck of a play and it, gets, it, it just changes everything. Uh, great teams have to overcome that. Uh, championship teams have to overcome that. We did not, you know, and all the momentum went to their side and we had a hard time stopping it. You know, three touchdowns later, uh, what, which was a, it was a, a one point game at halftime, which I felt like we left some things out there in the first half to where we would have had a halftime lead. That's on me. We didn't finish good enough in the red zone. Um, and then you look up there and you're down 22 points. So it was a huge momentum swing that we were not able to overcome, which is why they're the American champions. I mean, that's the bottom line. Once again, that was head coach Dana Holgerson speed to reporters following their 35 to 20 loss to number four Cincinnati day on a couple of things that, that stood out to me. And <clears throat> I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this, but first um, talking about that pass interference call where he obviously he said, that's, that's not the reason why the university of Houston lost the game, but kind of like we've touched on before where that that really created a lot of momentum for Cincinnati and that's really when the the avalanche of of momentum went into Cincinnati's favor that was the first touchdown it led to the first touchdown in the second half and then it kind of snowballed even more after that I think it was interesting that Hogerson said um essentially he kind of summarized it that's not the reason they lost but it certainly played a big factor into changing the outcome of the game Dan, what were your thoughts about what he said right there? I felt like that's honesty. Uh, he was honesty, but the main thing that stood out to me during that time press conference, what he said was, that's what I want my football team to look yeah. like, and that's what I want huh. our stadium to look like. And sure. that made me think of previous episodes in which me and you, we talked about Houston fans and the students, like they'll support, but it's not going to pack out in, unless they are winning. They're not going to only support winning teams. Other than that, it's going to be – just the type of crowds that, you, that we've seen at TDECU of recent. And so I think having this winning season, and he said, like, we can do it. He feel like they can do it, and I feel like they can. I think building upon this season, you know, hitting the recruiting trail and doing whatever they need to do, they have the momentum back. 
I feel I definitely agree with everything he said, and it was, it was good honesty. And um, kudos to Cincinnati; it was just the, the better football team, and they looked like it out there tonight. No, you're right there. You hit the uh, the second point. I was going to bring up that comment. Yeah, for sure. That that's the next step for Houston. They they've shown at least this season that they they were able to take care of business business. And I know one thing that they kind of not to to be a knock for them, something that people that will always bring up about this team is the schedule they had. They did what they were supposed to. They took care of the business of all the teams that were in front of them, and they oh. they beat. They did what they were supposed to, and that's beat all the teams. <clears throat> that probably yeah. exactly they were favorable of course but they didn't mess some with of them that weren't favorite like games against Tulane SMU and SMU SMU uh, yeah. of course so but overall <clears throat> I think right there they, they they took the first step and now going forward obviously like you said it's going to be building building the momentum of recruiting is going to be a big factor and the one thing they have going for them, well, a couple of things they got going for them. Obviously, first they, they proved that they can, they can put a winning record on the on the football field. They have momentum in that aspect, but also the move to the Big Twelve and all that kind of stuff that they have momentum going forward. So it'll be interesting to see how Dana Hogerson <clears throat> kind of builds this team going forward. Something that uh, a lot of North leading up to this game has been saying that Hogerson is here to stay for the long run. So it'll be interesting to see how kind of that vision continues to play out in the coming years before they finally make that move to the big 12. You saw in the big 12 championship earlier today, how, how crazy that was between Oklahoma state and uh, Baylor came down to the, to the literally one of the final plays, a game of inches um, that kind of kept Oklahoma state away from winning the big 12 championship and possibly even clinching a, a spot in the college football playoff. That's where Houston wants to be um, in a couple seasons, three seasons, whenever they hit to the Big 12, they don't, they don't, it's something that Ron Huey told us whenever he came on our podcast. They don't just want to be a member of a Power Five conference. They want to be up there competing with those schools for, for the conference championships. And eventually, something Marcus Jones said, something Dana Horson said in his press conference, being up there trying to, to compete for a spot in a college football playoff. But that's going to do it for our second segment coming right up on Potsdamer Jamo. We'll wrap it up. We'll have more, more post-game reaction from Dana Horson and a couple of players, Marcus Jones and Derek Parrish, coming right up on Potsdamer Jamo, covering your UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. Now, on our third episode here on Pod Slamma Jamma, more post-game coverage as Dana Hogerson talks a little bit about Clayton Tool. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. Yeah, uh, it's hard to run the ball on these guys. So especially into the red zone, we had to use him. He, he's done a good job of extending plays. He hadn't been able to do that for about 85% of the season. Um, he's gotten to a point to where he can do that a little bit more. Uh, that's one of the things that makes him a great quarterback is him being able to extend plays. We had to get him going a little bit in the run game too, just because it's hard to get yards on these guys. You know, So uh, I was proud of his fight. I was proud of all these guys fight. I mean, they just, they fought and fought and fought against a really good football team. Came up a little bit short, but um, I'm confident that we're in position to be able to continue to move forward and take the next step next year. Head coach Dana Hogerson ending with a pretty 
good statement in terms of what, what you want to hear from your, your head coach heading into obviously technic. They're at a weird point where it's kind of the end of the season, but they're still going to have the bowl game after. So <clears throat> they'll probably have at least one more run for the 2021 season, but certainly their, their biggest aspiration was getting that American athletic championship under their belt, something they hadn't done since the 2015 season. He talked a little bit about Clayton Toon, kind of how, you know, we, we mentioned it where Houston's running game was kind of non-existent. And I know a lot of it probably got taken away because of the, the amount of times he was sacked, but Clayton Toon was overall, if you're, if you're not counting the sacks, he's probably the, the leading rusher for this team uh, offensively. And right there, Dana Horson said it was something that they came in a point of emphasis just because of how good Cincinnati does. Dan, I, I want to get your thoughts on that last statement there where Dana Hoverson kind of talks about how they're trying to build off this season and going forward, they're trying to continue to build off the, the success that they've had this season. What are your thoughts from that? And what were your overall thoughts on what he said about Clayton too? I think what he said goes tied to what he said earlier, as far as seeing Cincinnati, as far as the type of physicality that they have and how they play along with, um, the fans, all that ties into one. I think the football team is right in line with that. I think the trajectory is going in the right direction, and it's just about executing. He had a plan, and he executed his plan. Like you said, Coach Philco has been building Cincinnati a few more years than Coach Hogerson doing his third year, more years, another year. I expect another good step. And so um, I, he's really been honest throughout his um, all season. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. I remember um, we've gone to the Texas Tech game a lot uh, during this episode. But after that game, he talked about how uh, first the number one thing and something he's done throughout the season, not just the Tech game, but he, whenever there's a certain group or position group uh, does bad, he, he's quick. He's the first to kind of call them out and say we didn't do a good job offensively doing, especially this position group. Uh, I think overall, Dana Hogerson is probably one of the uh, one of the good coaches in terms of if you're, if you're a reporter, what you want to hear in terms of um, kind of honest answers in terms of what he sees from the field. He's not one of those uh, coaches that add a lot of fluff to their answers where, uh, you know, they say, oh, this is a, a complete team performance. We overall didn't perform, underperform all that. He'll give you some of that occasionally, but for the most part, he does a good job of going into details. Now, we have another soundbite from... Marcus Jones and Derek Parrish uh, coming right up here. They are. Slot and at halftime, it kind of felt like you guys were in a position you you wanted to be in. Uh, what was the what was the vibe? What was the feeling like? Yeah, uh, during halftime, we was just basically like you know uh, keep our foot on the gas. You know you don't want to get complacent. Uh, so what we did was especially on defense. You know they were getting uh, basically explosive plays. So on defense side, we was talking and everything, trying to get everything. Uh, right to prevent those from happening. And then the offensive side, offense is doing good. It was moving the ball. So we just needed all three phases to basically uh, do what we do. And uh, yeah, that's what we basically did at half. Once again, that was Houston's cornerback, punt returner, kick returner, uh, occasional offensive player, line out in the backfield, wide out. It really is something we talked about all season with Marcus Jones. What can't he do for this University of Houston team? Dayon, uh, he talked about what the message was 
at halftime for the team. I found it interesting. He, he, he touched on it too, where really Cincinnati, especially in the first half, both of those touchdowns came off of chunk plays off of quick strike uh, drives where first it was a 17 yard or no, first it was a 25 yard pass uh, by Desmond Ritter. The second was a 79 yard rush from um, Ford. And really what they came out of the break was trying to emphasize, trying to play complimentary football and hearing those comments, it's kind of, uh, they were, they, they failed to execute, uh, what kind of, they were told kind of that message, what they were trying to do, uh, defense gave up the opening score touchdown, uh, to Cincinnati, uh, following the, the PI and then right out the gate. Clayton Toon throws an interception on the following possession. So really kind of those three key phases that they were looking at trying to keep up with the momentum they had only being down one in Cincinnati for the most part, doing a good job of limiting uh, the the mistakes after the two quick drives to start the game. It completely went downhill. It just goes back to, to, to the point where really Cincinnati kind of, to use a boxing analogy, Cincinnati was the the heavyweight that was obviously they were the favorites coming into the game. Houston had done a good job of lasting through uh, the first half and then start the third quarter. Cincinnati came, they gave them their knockout punch. Houston couldn't recover. What were your thoughts on on that comment right there from Marcus Jones? I think I think Marcus Jones was was honest about um, pretty much what they needed to do coming into the second half. They needed to eliminate those big plays and tighten up. And, and get to what the, what they were doing all season, but they weren't able to do that. Uh, pretty much what we've been talking about all this episode. And um, Marcus Jones, I mean, he's had a great career. Like you just the introduction you gave him, I mean, it was um, a great introduction. You kind of describe him as a do it all player. I think, like I said, he would play on Sundays, and um, seems like a really good leader. Man, I, I feel like he definitely had a good impact on this Houston program. For sure. And and good. just going back to this game, um, I, I think it was I want to say it was the very last uh, punt return or punt return that Cincinnati had. I think there was already like the game was over. There was only like 30 seconds or or so left. And Marcus Jones caught the punt return and uh, he got probably like about 10 yards. But he had a little space where if he had been able to keep his his balance and stay in bounds he probably would have been able to get a couple of more yards and when he finally went out of bounds it, you could see the frustration on his face he was kind of uh, ticked off that he wasn't able to make a, a bigger play and uh, that just goes to show what type of personality he is where he he wants to do everything possible to help his team not just i mean he, he doesn't he didn't care about the scoreboard he still wanted to at least have one more big play in him and who knows they they, they were able to make a spark that was only like 20 to 30 seconds left, but you could have punt return, somehow score and get some crazy onside kick. That was still an outside shot, but I, I found that interesting too. Um, we'll leave you with one more clip and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that uh, both Marcus Jones and Derek Parrish talked about following the game, the loss to Cincinnati in the American Athletic Championship game. It definitely hurt. Uh, we put a lot of work in the offseason. And um, as you can tell, uh, you know, we lost our first game of the season and uh, definitely went on a little streak and everything. And the momentum came to an end. And it was one of those situations to where, you know, we played a good game in the first half and then we let it go. So it definitely hurt. Yeah, you know, it never feels good losing, especially in a, in a game like this after, like you stated, the momentum that we've gained. Uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to get on a soapbox, but it hurts. You know, it does. You know, losing sucks, and you never want to experience this, but, you know, maybe it builds a fire. I don't know. Maybe it builds a fire. Derek Parrish, Houston defensive lineman Derek Parrish. Um, yeah, uh, obviously it's going to be hard whenever you have to ask student-athlete after they had – they lose these type of games where it's championship or bust, honestly, for, for a lot of these players. And as a competitor, obviously you never want to lose and it's hard, but I, I think that that comment right there is a uh, pretty interesting, something we've touched on where now Houston has to take the momentum. They still won 11 games in a row. They were in the championship game. Um, and something, especially when it comes to fans, where they'll be a little bit short-sighted, where you're kind of uh, uh, trapped in the moment where it's disappointing Houston lost, but that still doesn't take away what they were able to do overall for the season. They won 11 in a row. They were able to put back that Texas Tech loss, which was, at, especially at the time, was pretty, pretty hard on them, uh, pretty embarrassing for them, to be honest, after being up 14, getting shut out, getting... Uh, just looking lost offensively in the second half, putting that behind them and doing the quick turnaround. Uh, that's something that not every team can do. That that takes a certain type of culture, ter- a certain type of team personality in terms of all the, the veteran leaderships. We've heard a story that after that Texas Tech game loss where the, the senior captains on the team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, kind of had a players-only meeting and, and talked to all the players that – you know, all their goals and aspirations, what they wanted to do with the season was still ahead of them. And they were able to, to group together and make it an 11 game winning streak and stay stand toe to toe with Cincinnati for a half. That is something that they, they need to build on and, and keep growing, especially heading into the big 12. They can't let it fall apart and, and kind of have to start back from square one. What say you, Dan? Yep, build upon it. Uh, take take the next step to get to the next level because next year you're going to be the hunted. Whether you stay in American next year or they make the most of the Big Twelve, we don't really know. No matter wherever they're playing, they're going to be the hunted and they're going to have to prove it again. And so, it's I think Derek Parrish is right. It's going to have to light a fire to motivate to prove to you to continue to play at a high level, be in those championship games, playing against the teams of Cincinnati and eventually win those games. Like Coach Hogerson said, championship teams overcome big momentum plays and they go on to win those games. And you see it from teams like Bama and Georgia, those teams in the playoffs, they do that. Houston, that's the next step from them to put themselves in a position to do that. And um, they got the right players. I feel like they got the right mindset, the, the right coaching style, for outstanding job. All year defensively by Doug Bell. Definitely have to give him his flowers. I feel like he definitely will be a head coach somewhere. I would love to see him get the opportunity. He did an outstanding job coaching the defense this year. Coach Hogerson did a great job. Got to give him his flowers as well. Criticism, criticize him when he when the team isn't doing good. We got to give him his props when they they well and they beat the team they were supposed to beat. Everyone can't do it. They did it, took care of business. Also a better team today, but uh, I definitely believe in the plan that he's putting forward and he's executing it from what I've seen. They did have a favorable schedule. They played a lot of scrubs. They beat them, though. But so 
Hey, they won. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. That's uh, that's one way to put it. But it, it's the truth. They were favored in almost all the games, um, with the exception being uh, uh, probably Tulane on the road and also uh, SMU. But they, they they were able to put not only pass those tests with those two teams, but take care of business. Now going forward, to something Dana Hogerson said in his presser, uh, he compared himself. Uh, he compared the Houston program where they're at now to where Cincinnati was. Uh, when Hogerson first joined the Cougars, and he said that his first Hogerson's first season with Houston was the third year under Fickle, and he said that when they played them, then he could tell that they they had turned the corner and they were going to be a a team to deal with. They were going to be a force for years to come. Cincinnati was able to bottle that momentum, obviously going undefeated uh, during the regular season. Last season in the uh, the crazy 2020 season, only losing. I mean, that's absurd. Cincinnati has only lost one game from now since since the start of the 2020 season until now. They've only lost one game, and that was to Georgia in the uh, in the bowl game they had last season. Um, that's something to that that's impressive on it in it in its own. But that's something that's the blueprint that this Houston team is trying to model, where they're 30 year under Hogerson. They they've been able to let lay the foundation they have a starting point um who knows where they finish uh in the final cfp rankings they could be they if they still finish on the top 25 that'll be uh that'll be something for for the program but i think overall still 11 and 2 overall having 11 of those games in a row that's something to build up now the next step is going to be whatever bowl game they get they get in down this is where a lot of people differ on the importance of bowl games. Uh, to be quite honest, if uh, most of these schools, if it's not one of those college football bowl games or heck, even a New Year's Six bowl game, uh, a lot of these uh programs don't really care much about it going forward. Do you feel like Houston should kind of uh embrace whatever the bowl game they end up uh being a part of and should go all out and trying to win it or? How, how do you feel that approach? Do you believe in ending the season with a win and go, taking that good momentum into the 2022 uh, year? Now, I believe if you're six and six or you seven and seven, eight and win, however many games they play, you just have an average season, you just get in the ball game. I think you, what it, it really doesn't matter. If you have a good year like Houston has had, do you lose it in a championship game to uh, um, a team who's going to be in um, the college football playoff, then you come out, you want to come out in that bowl game and prove that, that you are as good as your record say you are, and you would have that moment going into the season, going into recruiting and, and all of that. So I guess I ultimately I do, but it, it just depends on – and also I look at it from a player's point of perspective. If I'm a senior or if I'm getting ready, I'm on the edge of maybe I'm in draft consideration, but I need – I need to protect myself. I'm I'm pro player with doing that and everything. And so mm-hmm. a lot of factors that go into it. But with the Houston specifically, with the season that they had, just having this um their second loss to Cincinnati, I think it'll be huge for Houston to whatever bowl game they play in and whoever they play to come out and want to prove that they are what they record say they are on a good team and want to win that game and have that momentum going into the offseason. For sure. And that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. 
We'd greatly appreciate it. Also, make sure you follow our official at Slam and Jamma account on Twitter. That's at P-A-W-D Slam and Jamma, like you see in the description of the podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And as always, go Cougs, but also make sure you follow the official Apollo Media account. That's Apollo H-O-U. Subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. We appreciate it. And as always, like I said before, go Cougs.